Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for the last time for the foreseeable future to the digital version of the physical tiny room. I am the co-host of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. I am the one almost universally known as Michael, although sometimes Mick. And if you're trying to upset me, Mike. And I am joined today by the man who has been described as, you know that feeling you get when you find out you have to go to a third Christmas party and it's going to be mostly people you don't really know that well? of Irish podcasting, it's Ben. You're a real son of a bitch, Michael. Those, those, <laughs> those, those, intros, those intros have gone from, you know, mildly jabbing to Ben's a bit of a social cancer. Like, it's... it's uh, uh, that, that, was, that was rough, Nick. Yeah, sorry, Ben. <laughs> Look, it is what it is. Ben, do you want to... Uh, yeah, sorry. Ben, sorry. it's just I have, a lot of, I have a lot of Christmas parties to go to, and I'm really... I really don't want to go to any more why, Christmas why parties, so got, I'm, I'm mostly taking it out on you. Why did you got so many Christmas parties, Michael? Ben, I have a full and interesting social life with uh-uh. many circles of influence. See, I, I'm surprised because we both do a podcast on a on a Sunday, which would usually belie that that's not the case. Um, yes, a good, a fair point. What an interesting um, contrast. <laughs> I think a lot of these Christmas parties I will be going to, and I will be not really wanting to go, and the people who have invited me will be going, oh, we better hope he doesn't show up. He'll probably just sit there and try and do a podcast. Um, <laughs> I am the one of the two who is invited to things but yes. shouldn't be. <laughs> Joining with me in the tiny room is one of the things who wants to be invited to yes, things. Yes, it's isn't. Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin, um, look, oh. we're really dragging this intro out today. Do you want to stick in an old theme music there or anything? <gasps> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. For us, I don't wanna name any names. Rachel, I hope it's Rachel. Ben, the day that I don't find that funny, I would like you to <laughs> just mercifully tell me. Just, just podcast break up with me the day that I don't find that funny. Yeah, because fair it's just it's an endless classic. Yeah. Benjamin. Yes. It has been a busy week in the pop culture world for, the, for for stuff. We're all pop cultured out, Michael. Um, yeah, it's, I'm fucking it's, sick of it. It's that roundup towards the end of the year. It's that last that last push uh, towards the, the end of the spurt. year. Yeah, the last, the last, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> um, of the industry that tries to sell us everything um yeah, yeah it's just um speaking of fe- speaking of like feeble attempts to just you know get that last few inches out um oh, jesus christ <laughs> this week was the the internet cataclysm that is youtube rewind michael um what's youtube rewind ben youtube now, rewind just is like the one day i'm doing a conceit there i'm i'm playing ignorant I'm, i i'm not yeah yeah just so everyone knows i did suspect as much michael i did suspect as much youtube rewind michael um as you know youtube is is a very you know people oriented thing it's not a business at all it's it's all about the creators and the influencers michael yeah they're very important to youtube but they, they don't really care about revenue they don't demonetize no. things when a big company gets a bit ticked at them they really support the people who create content in their channel and more importantly than that michael um youtube really pushes um you know quality content to the forefront michael sensationalism and quality content um supporting the little guy it's really it's a it's a creative hub um that's that's why we've really enjoyed our relationship with youtube and been very focused on 
on on the YouTube recommendation channels and, and various things. Um, ben, one of the good things about us being relatively small fry is that YouTube largely leaves us alone. We also don't get featured in diss tracks, which is quite yeah, nice. That's true. That that would hurt my feelings immensely. As you know, I'm I'm paper skinned, Michael, um, mm-hmm. and that has led to me not being invited to Christmas parties. Uh, <laughs> across the across the different <laughs> little little known fact for the listeners, Ben isn't even invited to the <laughs> tiny room Christmas party. <laughs> He's gonna have it with Rachel and Shane. Me, Ra- <laughs> me, Rachel and Shane are gonna have a little Christmas party and not tell Ben. <laughs> you savage! I am. Do you know how bad my social anxiety is? On occasion, I'm actually worried that's true. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that that was a conceit there, Michael. YouTube is a, a corporation, lest we forget. Um, mm. And I think part of the Google entity. Yeah, one of the interesting things that we're in now is I think um, the internet is now reaching that tricky adolescent stage um, mm. where it's a bit jaded. I don't I don't know if you've found that among video content, but a lot of content on YouTube can be very samey. Um, I think it's becoming clear. like two guys talking about pop culture. Like two guys talking about pop culture. Well, I mean, th- I think that's always going to be essential in society, Michael. You really need pop culture <laughs> detectives um, to look after stuff like that. So I wouldn't say uh, that so much. We don't know any people like that, though. So, you know, it no. wouldn't be like we're defending them for no reason. No. But one of the interesting things that's kind of happened is that a lot of those YouTube personalities, the people that run the different channels, have kind of melded into one thing. And I think once upon a time, we talked about that. Um, we talked about that element of... Um, parasocial interaction how people kind of enjoy relating to youtubers and feeling like they're their friends do you know what i mean yeah and how they yeah. connect with them uh, that has worn thin um right and, uh, i think it's very clear to people now that a lot of youtubers and a lot of influencers and things like that are are quite hollow they they market that's that's what they do they're bad blokes uh, even if they're you know reaction channels that make fun of other youtubers they're still following a very set formula that appeals to a very set group of people um and i think nothing has ever made that quite as clear as youtube rewind youtube rewind is youtube's attempt to kind of show off the highlights of the year it's it's youtube's highlight reel for the year and generally speaking did youtube have any highlights this year ben um well logan paul filmed a uh suicide corpse uh, yeah that was great corpse Good lad. um yeah there was lots of drama there were boxing matches organized between youtube stars oh, yeah um, yeah trash comedy is on the rise where they just walk up to people and ask them to punch them and there's certain genres of sexual assault comedy where you go up and kiss people on the cheek without their consent and what film their oh, reaction yeah they're you good know, Aren't they? mean, they're funny they're they're great i i love uh I love a non-consensual groping uh, video. They're they're just it's great content for the kids. I'm going to take that out of context and just that's going to be the weekly little clip this week. Then. <laughs> great, great content for kids, really, for all the family, uh, to be honest. But um, traditionally, the YouTube Rewind is is quite a big moment. Um, a lot of people's favorite creators are brought together. Um, a Jake Paul, a Jake Paul, a Logan Paul, a PewDiePie. Um, yeah. a Casey a Neistat um, mm-hmm. people like that are brought together and they're kind of shown off and it's a fun little video and it references meme culture and it's kind of it's kind of a thing of like hey look at us we get our audience uh, look at this fun video this yep. year's one on the other on. hand yes. is the most trite most forced most kind of hey kids we're down with the youth kind of thing i've ever seen um and the predominant the the predominant reason for that uh michael is that it's it's largely celebrities that belong to corporations it's largely pop stars will smith 
um, is one of the Will key Smith speaks to the youth, man. figures. More than you'll ever know. Uh, Will Smith started a YouTube channel this year, Michael. He did, um, yes, And it true. became huge. It is a good YouTube channel, Michael. I don't argue that, but it does somewhat go against... I suppose the traditional YouTube model in that YouTube was kind of an outlier format when it began. It was a place for people that didn't necessarily belong in mainstream media to go and voice their opinion. And more importantly, it was a place that mainstream media didn't really touch. It was kind of independent content for uh, young people or, or younger audiences or alternative audiences. Ben, what what you've described there, though, is every form of media that's ever happened. I, I suppose that's very, very true, Michael. Um, but YouTube prides itself on being for the creators. And mm. I suppose that's a little bit enduring when your highlight reel for 2018 features nothing but kind of big celebrities that belong to companies like Vivo and YouTube Music and things like that. Um, on top of that, Michael, it's just incredibly forced. They have a large section in the middle, um, and the the main theme of Rewind this year is we control Rewind. So they looked at all the you users. And I. Uh, no, 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 Michael. You see, it's kind of like a, an aphorism where they say okay. that we control YouTube, and it's supposed to be empowering and such like that. They're trying like the outer to, limits. They're trying to tap into the social justice warrior element of things they're trying to tap into more essential movements um like me too which are quite important but a large corporation embracing something like me too go on is very hollow and there's a section in the video where a bunch of content creators are sitting around a campfire and they're saying yeah. i think we need to look at this year as a great moment for women i think we need to look at this year as a great moment for people of color and it's so cringy michael yeah because ben you famously hate women and people um women. i hate them both michael they're just it's it's not that i'm just better than them um <laughs> <laughs> oh that's the end of the that's the end of the podcast no, that's the end of the podcast there uh you can send all your hate mail to uh mick um <laughs> I, I don't want this um uh, but this i think has been picked up on and as i said the internet is in its jaded stage um, and it's it's struggling to drum up hype the way it used to. Um, at this moment, go on. YouTube Rewind has forty two million views at the time of recording. That's a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, what's most interesting, Michael, is it has one point four million likes, which is significant. What yeah. is more significant is it has three point nine million dislikes. Oh wow! Um, which. It may not seem like a big deal, but usually it is traditional for the like ratio to far outclass the dislike ratio. Yeah. Uh, especially on especially on Rewind. Mm. Um, Rewind is usually one of the big events of the year, but the comments and the feedback has been overwhelmingly negative. Um, so Ben, to summarize this, what you're saying is YouTube is becoming mainstream. Um. I think it's already mainstream. I don't think it's becoming anything, but I think it's losing its audience because it's pushing too much in one direction. I, I was curious. I was curious as to why people were so unhappy. So I did a bit of investigating, and it turns out that a great deal many independent creators, those that don't necessarily take deals and pander to the cult of YouTube, so they don't row right. in and do all the different like events. Uh, we're we're people of our own mind. We we just have rogue elephants. I, I would love to I would love to be a man of my own mind, Michael, but to be honest, we just haven't been given the uh, opportunity to sell out yet. Uh, I yeah, that's true. for one personally plan on retiring to the Bahamas when we get that sweet sweet ad revenue. Um yeah. one day. But 
uh, it turns out that YouTube has been excluding those who don't really play the YouTube game, despite them Ooh. having large followerships. Where can I download the YouTube game? Would that be on Steam? <laughs> Probably. Probably. But I find it interesting, Michael. I think it's a, it's an odd cultural moment. Um, if not for the world, for YouTube, at least. it's uh, it's. I would love to say that it's a wake-up call for YouTube. It isn't. YouTube is going to continue. It's making money hand over fist. Um, but it's an interesting turning point for their viewership, if nothing else. Um, for those that are jaded with the YouTube game, Michael and Benjamin's podcast provides all your entertainment needs with reviews, yeah. witty banter, and most importantly, thought- conceits. Yeah, and complaining about YouTube for 15 minutes. Yeah. Ben, let's talk about Sorry. something else. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, for that to go on as long Ben, as look, Ben, it has, been a, it has been a big bloody week of uh, the pop culture, hasn't it? Been a, like it's a, you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh boy, Rick, it's been a real... Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's one of the rules, Ben. No Rick and Morty. No Rick and Morty. Ben, I am going to go, out, go ahead there and assume that you have seen the trailer for Captain Marvel. I have seen the trailer for Captain Marvel. You are correct. Interestingly, Ben, we often mispronounce things on purpose. And the, the f- most fun way to pronounce, mispronounce Captain Marvel is Captain Marvel. But that would be which accurate. Was, yeah, which is really, really scuppers our pancake, if I, you know what I'm saying. I did wonder why you sent me a text midweek that said, what even is life? Um Clearly, it triggered some kind of existential crisis, and you've been lost down a rabbit hole of. I did, but then I got a new phone, and I've cheered up immensely. Ah, oh, it does um, do that, doesn't it? Consumerism oh, a new phone. is alive and well <laughs> in yeah. the hearts of men. Um, so what I'm saying, Ben, is um, speaking from a look, Ben. Why does Audacity keep automatically increasing my recording volume when I'm not talking? It, surely it can tell that it's because I'm listening to you. Uh, mine does that too. Yeah, uh, look, if anyone's listening from Audacity, tell us how to stop that. It's probably in settings, but it's a if real I, pain in the ass. If anyone who understands recording equipment better than we do, which is quite frankly a large amount of people, um, although our quality has been getting better, but that being yeah, said... Yeah, look, Ben, I'll, I, I can probably look it up in the instruction book. What, am, what are we saying? We're talking about Captain Marvel. Yeah. Did you think it was a good trailer, Ben? Did you like it? Would you recommend that people watch that trailer? Bit generic. I found it was a little bit generic. I like the visuals of Captain Marvel. The visuals are looking good. Uh, like the green costume, like the red costume, yeah. an awful lot. Good, good costume yeah. design all around. She has one of the classic Black Panther Iron Man helmets now that just kind of appears when you tap your ear. Um, yeah, but I, in the nineties, I enjoy. But in the nineties, yes, the dream of the amazing helmet was alive in the nineties. Um, yeah. yeah um, Young Samuel L. Jackson so far is a very convincing effect. Jesus, it's fucking good, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, it's very good. It's a real, real smooth piece of work. Um, he looks super young. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel about the trailer in general. I do, I dislike the the hum. I don't know. It. I'm thrown off by the. I think I had a life here kind of angle. Yeah, all right. I don't know if I connect with that really uh, the amnesia storyline is very traditionally 90s as well actually which is interesting um ben i have a feeling with this one that this is going to throw at us the biggest twist in marvel cinema since mandarin turned out to be tony slattery uh, trevor slattery tony have... slattery's an english comedian <laughs> whoops um that's why it was so surprising that the mandarin was an english comedian um yeah. how, how do you mean michael give me give me i don't know I just feel like they're playing something with this one close to their chest, Ben. It's just it's a gut feeling. I feel it in my piss sack. Is it the cat? Well, the cat, Ben, has been spoiled by the toys. 
Ah, uh, he is definitely an alien then, is he? He is an alien. Yeah. There is a there is a toy. Probably should have put a spoiler ahead of that, but he is an alien. Uh, there is a Marvel Legends toy ah. where he is in shackles ah. with his mouth covered with some sort of mask. Yeah, because he's... Kind of like, quite like the shackles that Loki is taken away in at the end of Avengers. They're quite a dangerous uh, alien, for those that don't know. Captain Marvel's cat was revealed to be a really dangerous form of alien that can eat anything. Um, and, and spew it back up if he needs to, yeah, I think. and they're very intelligent so he's mm. masquerading as a house cat, but can eat whatever he wants. Also, Ben, there's now a Marvel legend coming out of a little ginger and white cat. So that will match my ginger and white cat, Mr. Ed Sheeran. Have you? So I'm quite excited to get that toy. Have you checked Mr. Ed Sheeran, the cat, not the singer, for uh, signs of alien eatiness? I probe his butthole every now and then. I don't know how else you would check. <laughs> oh, you want to you take that out of... No, <laughs> I mean I do. He has uh, he has a slight medical condition involving a sensitive butthole, so I have to check if he's all right every now and then. Oh, okay. Well, then you're just a caring pet owner. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. That's. I cool. mean, I could have said anus instead of butthole, but that's less funny. That's that is yeah, less funny. Ben. Um. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but it is coming out but a month ahead of the other big trailer that was released this week. Then. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> Very good. Ben, the entire internet predicted the name of uh, of the new Avengers movie. Because it was the only name you could give. Samuel Beckett is turning in his grave because uh, Avengers Endgame is coming out very soon. Do you think that was always going to be the title or have they essentially crowdsourced that title? I don't think so. I think it, they made it very clear from Stephen Strange at the end of the last event, we're in the Endgame now. Like, yes, but I mean, that wasn't necessarily going to be the title. And then they saw people reacting to that and said, actually, that is a good name. That's much better than what we were going to call it. They were going to call it. <laughs> don't call it. Aven- Avengers 4, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> yeah, Avengers 4, Thanos' Revenge. Oh, Avengers 4, Thanos 3D. And you hope, oh shit, that's taken. That's um... taken by us. Uh, Aven- the oh. Uh, Avengers, uh, just go see this one. Look, you enjoyed the rest of them. Um, Avengers Endgame, yeah, it, it's possibly crowdsourced, but it's all, it also fits very well. I don't see anything wrong with a little bit of crowdsourcing on this one. What did you think of that trailer, Ben? Um, that trailer is interesting. Um, the, the Avengers cast showing off their acting chops in this one. Showing mm. off their acting chops in this one. Tony Stark stranded in space. In yeah. space. That was my favorite scene, Ben, because he finishes that. He's recording a conversation ostensibly to Pepper Potts. Yes. Um, and he says, um, this was always about you yeah. or something like it's, that. It's always you. It's always it's al- you. It's always, always about you or something. Yeah. But he's saying that ostensibly to Pepper Potts, right? Yeah. But what what's he actually speaking to? Is the helmet. The Iron Man ah, helmet. Very clever, Michael. See what I'm saying? Levels. And if it has always been about her, then why did he Iron Man off into space? Mm. I think he's really talking to the Iron Man. Well, see, I think that's the greatest thing about his his character, Michael, is that he Pepper Potts was there to humanize him in some form, but has failed consistently mm-hmm. in that because he always goes back to being Iron Man, mainly because Disney likes that sweet, sweet revenue. But um, sweet, sweet also revenue. in a character arc form, just needs to be the hero, Michael. I, I think it's oh, interesting. Go on, sorry. His, his ego switched from being the biggest man in the room to being the biggest hero in the universe. Um, yeah. 
it, it's a very true true line for his ego. It just kind of developed into a a more noble monster. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. Keep going, keep going. Anyway, Michael, what, what do we think of Captain America? Bloody, I, I tell you no what, beard anymore. I tell you, uh, it's clean shave time. Yeah. Back in the game, handsome baby. Man. Back in the mm-hmm. game, he was handsome with the beard. Let's be honest. Men with beards can be yeah. handsome, Michael, as you know yourself. Sporting one. Thanks. Um, but uh, bloody Scarlet Witch, blonde eyebrows. Can't can't get used to it. Scar- that's not Scarlet Witch. That's Sorry. Scarlet Johansson. Scarlet Johansson. Too many Scarlets. Too many Scarlets. Um, spoil the spoil I, the plot. Um, too many too many chefs spoil the eyebrows. Yeah. Um, too many tints. Ben, I am not too worried about that. I imagine that's all going to be early going. Oh, I'm looking forward to that being gone. Change back to their um, usual bloody things. Bloody Hawkeye looks good, doesn't he? As Ronan. I mean. He's looking like an old man to me. He's looking worn. Poor old Jeremy Renner, yeah. He's looking worn. I think the reason Jeremy Renner wasn't in the bloody film is because he's he's getting fucking old. Um, yeah, he was tired. I like that they were just completely sidestepping any Hawkeye controversy. But like, look, there he is. There he is, yeah. front and center. We promise he's going to be in this Hawkeye. one. Yeah, he's going to um, be in this one. Relax. Chill the fuck out. Don't worry, Hawkeye fan. Um, I have never seen such bitching and moaning about a trailer not coming out on time, by the way. What silliness. What silliness. Look, Ben, um, uh, who cares about that, um, people? I also think that the Russo brothers are excellent trolls. My God. They love, Go on. They love fucking with the fan base. They're like, oh, it's coming out on Monday. Nah, I'm just kidding you. It's coming out on Wednesday. Uh, it's called The Avengers. Because they didn't call it Avengers 4. They just released a trailer that said Avengers. And people were like, I don't want a recap of the Avengers at this point. And then they watched the trailer and it was like, oh, it's the trailer. Oh. It's, not, it's not called Avengers 4 anymore, actually, though. Either is it? It's Avengers Endgame it's now. It's called Avengers Endgame now. Um, but uh, Did you, Ben, overall think it was a good trailer? Uh, I, different trailer. Very different trailer from what we've come to expect. Um, less snap cutty. Um, I was expecting more dun 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 with lots of snaps. There was a big visual aid there, Michael. I, I splashed yeah, I my it. hands on either side, but I, I couldn't. I can't really put that across in an audio. Crazy splashy hands. But you get the idea with the you know you you match your cut to the dun, um, and usually we have a lot of that, and it's, it seems very epic. This this was uh, far lighter, and I think the Russo brothers' comedic tone came in there at the end with the introduction of Scott Lang. The reintroduction. The reintroduction of, of Scott Lang. Um, silly line, though, Captain America being like, is this an old recording? And everyone's going, come on, Cap. I, I think we know it's not. Yeah, but, yeah, but we, we knew he knew it wasn't. He was just, he was asking himself. He was he was so excited. Because remember, they think Scott disappeared. Yeah. So they think he's the first person to come back from disappearing. But maybe he is. Imagine how exciting Michael. that would be. You recall the, the shiny, glowy lights at the end of Ant-Man 2. Um in the in the credit in the quantum realm in the quantum realm with all the souls Um, well the quantum realm is probably going to be the key to solving this whole problem i think it is i think those were the avengers the the missing the missing folks and fairies um all around the quantum realm there um Mm. but look it's going to be i think i'm looking forward to it michael we got a little glimpse of of thanos hanging up the armor i don't know if that was a little nod to the fact that thanos is maybe getting a bit bored I thought it was interesting that it was almost shot for shot a recreation of Gladiator yeah, I saw that. by Ridley yeah, Scott. That's very good. That's very good. The hands trailing through the grass. Through the through the space thistles. Through the space grass. Yeah. Space grass. The spas. Amsterdam. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um I, I think maybe Thanos is getting a little bit bored in retirement. Gonna gonna see that surge back up, you know. Look, uh, Ben come out swinging. It, it was a classic trailer of not telling us anything we didn't know. 
Yeah, but also it was a classic first trailer. It was also quite good, though. I, I, I enjoyed yeah, it was good. It was good. I, yeah, I enjoyed it was good. It I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. Ben, yeah. I'm no, I'm no more looking forward to the film now that I know what it's called. Look, but I am still looking forward to the film, Ben. I think we just enjoy trailers because they're a great way to put content on our YouTube channel. So we'll be in YouTube right, <laughs> Rewind 2019, Michael. You and I, YouTube Rewind 2019. You, you, you and I are, are possessed of, of a great deal of patience when it comes to films. And we're kind of just like, look, when it comes out, it comes out. Yeah. Ben, look, listen, let's go back. Let's take a step back and take a look at where all of this stems from, essentially, and have a look at a comic book. Oh, smooth segue. Smooth segue. I know. Man. Look, I am the master of segues. Ben... You you and I, our relationship is quite tumultuous. Uh, yes. Yes, that's sometimes fair. Sometimes you're my greatest enemy. Sometimes you're like third or fourth. <laughs> that in many ways reminds me of my relationship with the comic book The Immortal Hulk. Yes. Sometimes I think it's real dopey. And sometimes it, I think it's one of the best things that's ever been written or drawn. Yep, that's pretty fair. Uh, and last week's issue was one of the good ones, Ben. It it was. It was. It was a real, a real fuck up. Uh, it was real messy, Michael. The, the art remains consistently horrific. Very uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, uh, you're right. Throughout. Uh, that's what I got massive undertones of in that one. Um, just mm. sheer body horror, Michael. Um, for those that haven't been keeping up with The Immortal Hulk uh, by Al Ewing and Greg can't remember damn it i was so close anyway uh, it turns out that something to do with gamma radiation has become very corrupt so there are lots of gamma powered superheroes in the hulkverse uh, and unfortunately whatever is happening with gamma radiation is corrupting them and turning them evil so it's evil. a it's a great excuse to go through the old 50s catalog they're they're taking a page from the grant Joe morrison Bennett. playbook joe bennett thank you very much uh they're taking a page from the grant morrison book and they are going through the old heroes and they're taking some ones from the 50s, some villains, some kitsch villains that have gamma-based powers and they're making them all evil and twisted and dangerous. Yeah. Uh, one of the most famous ones to go up against the the Incredible Hope is the Absorbing Man, Crusher Creel, mm-hmm. which is just a fantastic name. Um, just golden age Marvel there. Carl Creel. Uh, Crusher Creel. Um and he has to go up against the Hulk. He's given a brand new set of powers that saps uh, radiation from the Hulk, takes all his gamma strength. But oh no. Oh no, Michael. Yeah, he only he goes and exposes himself to gamma radiation. And as we know, there's an evil force called the Green Door ruling gamma radiation at the minute. Mm-hmm. So it bloody rips his body apart and uses him like a bloody torn meat puppet. Oh, it's gross, Ben. Oh, it's super gross, Michael. His spine sticking up. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and Hulk still manages to sort him out because it's the bloody Hulk. Yeah, bloody Hulk. Uh, but Ben, in even in the issues, you can see that the, there's a great deal of love that has gone into those gross fight scenes. Oh yeah. But even within the issues, all of the gamma flight stuff, the superheroes in space Ugh. side quest, Ugh. it looks like it looks like it's that's so generic compared to the meat, the gross Hulk versus the gross absorbing yeah. man. Yeah, basically, we we did the potatoes too early in the dinner, mm-hmm. and we finished them really quickly. And the meat still needs a bit of time to cook, so now we've got cold potatoes. 
<laughs> what a weird analogy. It's the meat and potatoes, Michael. It's the meat and potatoes right. analogy, okay. but this time yeah. the potatoes are fucking cold. Um, um, yeah, it's not. It's not my favorite thing about it. But then it's it. It hasn't been consistently great. Oh, but it, it is great. It, it bloody, I, I think it hasn't been consistently great because it has to tie in to the main Marvel verse. Yeah. I, and I also, Ben. No, go on. You, you I think ta- that's you an editorial. I think that's an editorial issue. I think mm. if Joe Bennett and Al Ewing were given free reign, Michael, we would have lost a great deal of the Avengers tie-in crap. Because yeah, looking, looking back at that now, looking back mm-hmm. at that now, it makes Pointless. no logical sense in the, the run so far. It's just fucking weird. The thing is, Ben, Hulk is actually appearing in a couple of other books I've been reading. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, Marvel Knights, mm. which is a kind of universe-altering, everyone's trying to get their memories back, oh. which doesn't fit with what's going on in the Hulk, but the Hulk is one of the main characters. And he was also in Fantastic Four. It, <clears throat> oh, I've gone all gravelly. Um, yeah, he, he's... Um, He's not doing a great thing at the moment with with he doesn't because he's not the classic superhero Hulk, but other stories still need him. Yeah, he's still a, a linchpin in other stories. It's not great. I mean, uh, that's the problem with all major comic book labels. Michael is that continuity is often threatened by by world events. Like it's currently happening in the the. I know you're not a fan of the DC runs of anything, but it's currently happening that's in DC. True, um, Batman is still starring in his own weekly series, but in any of the Justice League stuff or any other tie-ins, he's currently wheelchair-bound because he was crippled. Is he? Uh, Again, careless. The... No, no, no. He he was crippled by the Joker, but um, not by the Joker. Uh, somebody crushed him. I can't remember who it was. Crusher uh, Creel. Carl uh, Crusher Creel. Uh, I wish it was. It wasn't. Um, but anyway, in some things, he's in a wheelchair. In other things, he's not. It's all very silly, Michael. Um Ben, do yeah. you think that this need to follow a kind of overarching community is a, a continuity is a problem with all comics throughout the world? No, probably not, Michael. In fact, I dare say it's the exact opposite in, say, Europe. Oh, very good. Ben, I'm going to ruin this segue because I have to clear my throat. But you keep talking and then hope the listeners don't hear me clearing my throat. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, <coughs> so Michael and I uh, have decided for this week's main topic to return to the wonderful world of Bandesine or European comics. Um, specifically, I found out through a little bit of uh, through a little bit of, of sleuthing, um, Bandesine specifically refers to Franco-Belgian targeted markets um, in the European comics. So get out of here, Germany. Get out of here, Germany. Yeah, 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 bloody Germans. Uh, actually, if if my good lady friend is listening, Germans are fine. I'm so German, sorry. Everyone, yeah, um, yeah. I'm quite fond of the Germans. Um, but yeah, uh, so we've we've come back to that. Um, last time we spoke about this on the podcast, Michael, uh, was was quite entertaining for me because I, I didn't really know about the history and where that came from. And I enjoyed finding out what the main differences between American comics and European comics uh, really were. And I think some of the conclusions we drew last time was simplistic art styles do not necessarily belie... uh, Simplistic stories. Simplistic stories. Uh, There is kind of an all-round family element to many European comics where you very much look at the heritage and it's a father-son, mother-daughter, pass-it-down kind of thing. 
Uh, on top of that, it explores more existential themes, I think we found out. More importantly, it really explores some surrealist elements uh, that can make very strange but wonderful stories uh, in a way that, that, that isn't touched on in this. So we looked at really the early days of, of comics last time, but I think where European comics came into their own, Michael, and my research this week would seem to have backed that up, is uh, from the 70s onwards. Uh, the Europe, 1970s, Ben, the, 1970s, the swinging 70s. The swinging 70s, when, when you were, were not born yeah considerably were you considerably born in the 70s i was considerably i was born in 1982 ben 1982 so michael was is, is not a band designee uh no. he's a band something else um, yeah. Well, he's he's banned from engaging in YouTube criticism. Travel, um, travel ban. <laughs> travel ban. Travel ban. It turns out that uh, Michael is half Mexican and half Muslim and is not allowed into oh, the Jesus. United States. <laughs> <laughs> One of those is an ethnicity ban and the other one's a religion. I mean, <laughs> oh, I've enjoyed butchering myself once more. But anyway, this time we're going to take a look from the 70s. No, hold on. One of those isn't an ethnicity. Mexican's not an ethnicity. I don't think so. One of, one of those nationality. is a nationality yeah, ban and the other nationality. one. One is a bloody, um, bloody religion. What, what are we talking about there before um, we got into that? We're always consistent in our racism in that it's just completely fucking baseless <laughs> and ignorant. Um, it's, it's wonderful. Um, so what we were talking about was, Michael, you're a huge fan of a certain uh, magazine in the UK. Jugs? And son of the... Well, we're not supposed to talk about jugs on the podcast. Yeah, I thought we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> no, 2008, Michael. 2008. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, yeah okay. That you're oh, yeah. quite a fan of. What What do you like about 2008? Um, it's weekly, Ben. That's always good. Um, It's quite experimental. It's always good, too. Uh, you get all sorts of mad shit going on. Mm-hmm. Now, even though it's quite experimental... um. No, because it's quite experimental, that means every now and then you get something that is kind of crappy. Oh, yeah, sure. There's hit and miss. There, It's an anthology series in the UK, and it's hit and miss is pretty much the bread and butter of such things. Yeah. Weird and offbeat then, characters, weird offbeat art. Yeah. Combining um, to make something not quite as good as either. And then sometimes, every now and then, Ben, you just get a bloody classic yeah, you get an amazing thing, a, a Judge Dredd, perhaps. Yeah, but it, even within Judge Dredd, Ben, that's very hit and miss because, like all anything that's been running that long, you have creatives coming and going, and some of them are good, some of them are spectacular, some of them just kind of tread water and keep things afloat, and then some of them come in with a weird vision or there's some sort of editorial disagreement and it's a load of mickeys. And then sometimes Sylvester Stallone puts on a styrofoam helmet and says, I'm the law! Um, I don't think that was styrofoam. That was probably fiberglass. I'm the law! Um, You know what I'm saying? Because most props back then, that would have been probably... That would have been hand-sculpted, Ben. Really? Hand-sculpted in clay. That's quite cool. Like Like a sculptor might do it. So they would have cast Sylvester Stallone's head then hand sculpted that in clay then made a a fiberglass probably mold when was it a fiberglass mold and then cast it in resin or fiberglass probably that's, that that's how probably you go on. michael that's how modern fine art sculpting is done today oh thanks ben continuously um and i know that because i'm dating a sculptor um, <laughs> but um yeah um interesting interesting michael well 
2008 debuted in 1977, Michael. Um, kind of a watershed moment for comics around the world, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. And a, a real, it was a real inspiration for many of the kind of out there creators of today. Your, your Alan Moores, your, your Grant Morrison's, yes. um, your Mark Millar's to mm-hmm. a degree. The guys that kind of do edgy, out there, offbeat comics today, but have a license to do it with bigger characters. Three years prior to that, Michael... In uh, France, uh, we had uh, Metal Hurlant, which is yeah. uh, heavy metal in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was published in 1974. Um, this was a huge moment for French comics and a real departure from the traditional band designé style that had been famous. Uh, the reason I mention this, Michael, is because one of the biggest names in European comics was a co-founder of this, um, of this movement. And that was uh, Giraud or Mobius. Mobius is the the big name that always comes up when we talk about European comics. He has this amazing style. He's written some amazing series. He started in Western comics like Blueberry, and then he kind of went on and created things like Incal and Azark and stuff like that. He is mm-hmm. world famous, and he's known as the man with three names. Uh, he went by Giraud, uh, Gir, and Mobius. Those were the three names. And what's what's interesting about him is, depending on which pseudonym he chose to use... Uh, yes. The art style would change to match the pseudonym. Oh, what a what a bloody sneaky sneaker! Um, so he's he's really was one of these kind of all round amazing artists, creator types, um, and he is largely responsible for a huge watershed moment in French culture when it came to comic books. Um, prior to that, he had worked for a magazine called Pilote. Uh, and you'll have to excuse my terrible French pronunciation of all of these things. Uh, Pilote was. Uh, kind of an anthology magazine again, uh, but would focus heavily on Westerns, noir stories, kind of traditional pulp fare Mm -hmm. as you went along. And he began to find this frustrating. So he started his career in mass comic books for Pilot, writing a series called Blueberry. Blueberry was a Western. Uh, Western comics in European comics during the 60s were huge, uh, mainly based on the back of things by Sergio Leone, uh, who was making fantastic westerns during which the, we talked about a few weeks ago? Which we talked about a few weeks ago. You and and um, noted enemy of Ben, but friend of the podcast Shane uh, mm-hmm. talked about. Uh, and I'm back, Shane. I've taken back my throne, so you can fuck off. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but wow. um, yeah, so you talked about it last week, and it was interesting that you mentioned some of those films. Sergio had a huge influence, um, and comic books in Europe were no different. Um, Ben, Metal Herland had a TV show. It did. It had an anthology series. Um, yeah, Kelly Brook was in it. <laughs> yeah, she was. Um, so it was an interesting anthology series. But uh, the roots of this kind of started in a little-known story by uh, Giraud or Mobius. I'm not sure which name he was writing under at the time. Uh, it, the, the series was called La Deviation, uh, The Deviation. And the I deviation. suppose it was yeah, kind of... good name. A, philo- a philosophical kind of existential questioning of Mobius to Mobius um, about where his work was going. And it's a right. very surreal kind of story where a couple is driving along a road and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a giant picks up their car. Classic um, giants. Classic, no consideration. Classic giants. Uh, for anyone who's familiar with Mobius's work, scale, gigantism, huge structures that kind of thing that is a a hallmark of his work big fan of that ben probably the reason why 
his his most well-known kind of mainstream comics thing and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes here. That's yeah, okay. Was a Silver Surfer thing for Marvel. Yes, it was called... Oh, no, him and Stan Lee did it. And it was called The Principal. Or, uh, hang on, I will have to look that up. Um, but it's it's interesting. That was one of the few pieces of work that he did for Marvel. And it is probably what he is most well known for in the States. But he's a huge man in his own right and the comic that he co-founded or the the anthology series he co-founded with uh other members of the creators was kind of the same jumping off board that 2000 AD was for english creators uh this is a it huge, was called parable it was called paramore paramore because parable parable ah sorry paramore i thought it was paramore because parable silver surfer is a paramore of okay fair enough but anyway, anyway, uh, some of the biggest names in French comics during the 60s came together and decided to break from tradition completely and embrace the surrealism elements of what a lot of they've done. Um, so they've kind of had the, the who's who of surrealists kind of lean in there. H.R. Geiger used to illustrate for heavy metal. Um, Esteban Morato, who is another surrealist that does that kind of thing, he did it for them as well. They had writers who are quite famous, such as Richard Corbin, who's a famous sci-fi writer, Matt Haworth, who did the same thing. I think thing. he's the leader of the Labour Party in England. Uh, no, that's Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, okay. Sorry, um, I got confused. But I think more importantly than that, um, Walt Simonson said, Walt Simonson is a famous writer for things like X-Men, Thor, Star Wars, Orion, Metal Man, Detective Comics. He's a big name in American comics. And he is hugely influenced and has admitted to being hugely influenced by the art and style of Mobius, and more importantly, by the art and style of heavy metal. It, it's far darker work than we would have seen in European comics prior to this. Gone are the, the Tintins and the Asterix and Obelixes of different things. And what's interesting to me is a lot of these artists have no shame in the fact that they started out doing Western and war things. In fact, they fully acknowledge that American culture had a huge effect on their work in general. What I find hmm. interesting today michael is yes. that american comics almost never uh kind of reciprocate that and admit that they have been influenced by european comics i think right. there are the rare examples like walt simonson as i said who will admit to the fact that they've been influenced but a lot of american comic book writers this is not including your grant morrison's your mark miller's or your your alan moore who are very vocal about their influences yeah, and but they're they're British comic book writers. They're British com comics. Exactly. They're British comic book writers of American comics. But American comics really don't pay much homage to that as much as you'll see. Um, so what I wanted to do today, Michael, with, with your permission, because you are the co-host of the podcast. Yes. Uh, is go and through, your supervisor. As and my supervisor. It's very important that I have a supervisor, uh, Michael. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll go off and write a fantastic beast too, The Crimes of Grindelboob. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll, be a whole, uh, it'll be a whole thing, Michael, if I didn't have a supervisor. <laughs> that was a little dig. At, at jk rowling band because the internet was saying she needs a supervisor i did i enjoyed that very much i enjoyed reading that all week anyway um i thought we'd take a look at some of the bigger influences that have been affected in stuff like that so one, one of the the key things i think that is never touched in american mainstream comics such as dc uh, or marvel uh, is politics and i don't mean politics in terms of gender politics or identity politics 
Just uh, classic think, old run-of-the-mill politics. Classic old run-of-the-mill, but more than that, historical politics. For example, colonialism is never touched on. Uh, nationalism is never touched on, really. Uh, they occasionally throw around an old Nazi supervillain. Yeah. Um, I have one here on my shelf. It still makes me slightly uncomfortable that I have a toy Nazi. Um, yeah, it's a bit odd, Michael, but it's okay. It's not like you have him set front and center. He's not in a little shrine. So it's That's okay. true. But it's never touched upon. We don't talk about colonialism. We don't talk about the fact that Superman is really an American powerhouse. We don't. We don't talk about any of that, except um, in things like oh, Red Sun, Superman, Red Sun. But that was by Mark Miller, wasn't it? That was by Mark Miller. So again, these this see people who have been influenced by uh, Metal Hulon and 2000 AD. 2000 AD, by the way, kind of saw Metal Hulon <laughs> and realized that it was possible to release okay. such an anthology. That was a large part of the inspiration for 2000 AD. So these two comics were kind of pushing boundaries and more importantly, investigating deeper political nuances in what they were doing. So this isn't your traditional Marvel representation politics. This isn't your typical... No, no, I don't mean it like that. As in, if Marvel touches a, a political element or a, a social political element, it's, it's probably around uh, gender identity or sexuality. Right. They, and occasionally, they've only just started upping their game with regards to representation. All new, all different Marvel came out two, three, four years ago. Two, three. Now four, more now. Four. Is it yeah. more now? Okay. Yeah. But that was the first attempt that Marvel was making at really diversifying their cast. Roster? Yeah, to very mixed results. Because they did that awful thing where they're like, well, we'll take one of the white male superheroes, get rid of him, and replace him with something else. Or we'll take one of the white female superheroes, replace her, and where they should have just been creating new characters with their own identity and their own... Easier said than done, Ben, but you've become, you've become distracted by one of your bugbears. What's my bugbear? Replacing characters with new characters yeah. for diversity's sake. Fair enough. Come on, remember, back get back to, to what we you were yeah. talking about. Yeah, going back to where we were. Uh, if you take a look at some of the earlier things from the 70s onwards, for example, the work by Mila Manara and Hugo Pratt. So we mentioned Hugo Pratt before. He's the guy that wrote Corto Maltese. Uh, on. w- one of the key things that would come through their things is colonial guilt um, mm. and the politics of conservatism and libertarianism. We never really investigate American superheroes, for example, Batman and Superman, for their political ideals. I would hazard a guess that if Batman was to be shoehorned into a political element... He's probably heavily conservative. Um, very interesting. To it, like if you break him down as to what he does, he's you know pro police, pro justice, yeah, pro stable government, pro stable government, anti crime, anti crime, yeah, hard on immigration. But we don't we don't touch that. But I think mm, he probably would be. Alex Ross played around with that idea in Kingdom Come, where Batman's in the future and he polices it with. Um, robots, robots, which is which is interesting, but it doesn't really matter. In European comics, that's often played with and investigated to the nth degree because it's important that we understand how different governments could shape our societies in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. It's no different in 2000 AD. Judge Dredd is a great example of a conservative wet dream police force that kind of just, you know, judge, jury, executioner can do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't think a lot of conservatives would really agree with you on that, Ben. But probably sure, not. They probably, won't, they probably won't be listening to this, so we're but all right. You're, yeah, I doubt we have a conservative audience, Michael, to be honest. Um, so that's one of the interesting things is kind of the political legacy of European comics. More important to our discussion today, Michael, is the wonderful world of art in European comics. Go on. 
European comics have given us some of probably the most unique artists that you'll see in comic books and I think they've had a massive influence in a huge way on the the new wave of American artists especially the stuff coming out from Image Comics I think Image Comics yes. owes a lot to yes. European comics uh, also Skybound Robert Kirkman's new thing yeah I think they owe a great deal to yeah. Uh, European comics. One of the examples that I found that I, I found was really interesting. Uh, someone who's very famous in this world is called Anki Bilal. Anki Bilal is a, an illustrator writer, um, and he deals heavily, similar to Mobius or H.R. Geiger. He likes big metropolises filled with strange organic structures that tower over human beings and make them insignificant and small. Big giant he, willies. Yeah, the occasional phallic tower, um, yeah. etc. Lots of naked people walking around casually in his comics. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that. Um, he wrote a trilogy called the Nicopol Trilogy. Um, the Nicopol Trilogy is probably the closest thing I have ever found to Saga in the past. Um, mm. Very flexible, out there designs, hybrid, humanoid animals. There's magical elements that kind of blend into technological elements. And more importantly, huh. um, if you take a lot of his work, do you, do you remember the design of the lion cat in Saga? Ben, not only do I remember it, I'm looking at it now. You're looking at it now. Wonderful. It's a big cat with a big head, huge eyes, large claws. It's a larger than life sphinx cat. What's what's the hairless cat? What, what are they called? Yeah, let's go with sphinx. Anyway, he also wrote a series, um, but a lot of people in this have that type of cat as a pet. Um, and I can only assume, not not a small version, the big version in odd colors. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's not very dissimilar to, what was his name from Watchmen? Yes. Um, Labastus? R- Robot? Dr. Roboto? Ozymandias. Ozymandias has a cat. It, also, there's a very similar giant cat thing in Warhammer called a Gyrinx. A Gyrinx. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. What I found more interesting and what tied it more to Saga for me is that the, these cats occasionally talk. Oh, look, that is very similar. A Gyrinx. Mm-hmm. Huh. But what I found more interesting in this, uh, Michael, is that the cats in uh, Bilal's work often talk in a similar right. way to the lion cat, but they use mm. one or two phrases to talk. Oh, that's which I found kind of interesting. Quite Very influential. close to the lion cat. Yeah. yeah. And they live in these kind of huge structures. I think someone who's probably more influential in, in our realm of things is Sergio Toppi. Michael, have you heard of Sergio? Just Toppi? to interrupt you there briefly, Ben. Yeah. Um, are you aware that Brian K. Vaughan, Creative Saga, has signed a TV and movie deal? I, w- I was not aware of that, yeah, Michael. Tell that me more. That was big news last week. Tell me more. That's pretty much all there is so far. Who, who did he I sign it with? I can't remember. But, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's definitely going to be a Saga TV show because, you know, Saga's pretty damn expensive. As we talked about in our famous episode, What Even Is Saga? Go check it out now. Go check we'll it wait. out now. Sorry, go on. You were talking about uh, another thing. Uh, a man called Sergio Toppi is a guy that I was talking about there. Sergio Toppi is a pen and ink artist who came from Italy. He does the most intricate things in the world, but... If you look, Michael, at the work of Dave McKean or any of the kind of grunge artists of the early 90s, etc., it's hard to remove the work of Sergio Toppi from their work. I'm going to send you an example of the work so that you get a rough idea of what I'm talking about here. Ben, I'm already bloody looking at it. Uh, there we go. You pulled it up already. Uh, 
when I have you a new look phone, at, Ben. It's very fast. Ah, so you can do that kind of thing. No problem these days, Michael. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. As you can see from the art that you have in front of you, Michael, very heavy render, very intricate, very Dave McKean, very J.H. Williams III. A lot very, of dark lines. A lot of dark lines. But a lot, but of, a loose, of, a lot a loose line as well sometimes. Yes, we don't do panel structures. We don't do borders. They're very flowy comics. Um, yeah, like a there's a samurai's his... top knot popping out of a panel and stuff. Exactly. Um, and you can see that as you go through his work. It's very close to what Dave McKean was doing in the early Sandman days. Mm. For covers and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see that huge influence... Uh, kind of take effect there. Although Dave McKean did it in a, did it in a more mixed media sort of way. Absolutely. Um, Sergio Toppi did also experiment with paint and color. There there are examples of his work there, but he's most famous for his line work, I guess. Ben, well, I like this. This is quite good. It's it's excellent. He's he is by and far one of the best comic book artists that I have ever seen. Um, mm. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. Uh, more importantly, coming back to Mobius, I think if you look at. Uh, your you and I's one of one of you and I's favorite um Ben uh, the the word for that is our one of our favorite yeah. no I prefer you and I I'm sticking with it uh yeah. one of you and I's favorite comic book artists from Invincible <laughs> Mr Ryan Otley Ryan Otley uh, yeah who uh responded to a comment that I wrote on Instagram and I had a little wee moment I did a little wee we all had a little wee moment Michael not a not a pee pee I just went wee I, I had a pee pee um, yeah, okay. But what I what I find most interesting, Michael, there is his work. If you look at his spaceships, he's he very loves good a at a giant spaceship and a giant city. Mm. Very Mobius. I always thought it was very Brian Hitch. A little bit of both, maybe maybe a love child of both worlds. Well, who's um, to say Brian Hitch wasn't influenced by Mobius? This, you see, this is this is the thing. But it's interesting how little we hear about so many of these creators when we come back to that kind of thing. Mm. Um, for example, you've mentioned before the the Meta Barons, uh, did. by did Andre Jud- Andre or Alexander Jud- Jodrowski. I'm not going to get that right, but he started out in Metal Erlon. Uh, that's oh. how he got his start. This this uh, Metal Erlon thing has been a huge kind of incubator for some of the best creatives to come out of Europe in the 70s, 80s, um, and really the things that helped to shape the new wave of comic books today because Image got its start in the 90s um, as something that was completely different. Yeah, Image today is nothing like Image back then. Um, no, Image got its start. Yeah, it's it's kind of been reshaped in a, in a massive way. But I just find it interesting how much uh, Band Designate has affected that. I'm afraid I think we're out of time, Michael. I think we, we did too we'll, much. We'll probably start wrapping up, Ben. I think, we should, uh, I think we should probably, just as a little side note to us, when we're doing this later, we should probably stick that Kelly Brook picture in the thumbnail this week. Uh, that would be a good one. Yeah. Just for the views. For, for, the, for the sheer clicks. For the sheer <laughs> clicks, Mike. Um, yeah, the sheer clicks of it. You, YouTube Rewind 2019, here we come, baby. Yeah, in, influencers. Yeah. So, yeah. Ben, what do you want to ask the listeners about uh, Metal Herlant? Uh, well, look... How affected were you when you were younger? Because I think some of our listenership is around your age, Michael, which I suppose is... Shut up, Ben. So our listenership <laughs> is around your age. I don't know if anyone in our listenership was, was born in the 70s or grew up in the 70s. Or if you did, did you read much of 2000 AD? Do we have any French listeners that read a lot of French comics? Do we have any? Like or, that? Ben, as they're known in French. 
listeners. Listeners. Ecoutiers. Uh, um, but yeah, we need recommendations uh, over here. Give at the them Mind to us. Podcast. Um, so if you have any, please put them in the comments below if you're on YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram. We'll be putting up a little post later on today and on Sunday. Uh, so you can send us a little message uh, down below there. Uh, we are on iTunes. Don't send us any comic book reviews there. But Ben, hold on. Us. Ben, you're doing the wrap-up, but you've forgotten to tell people about the Christmas special episode. Oh, no. I forgot to tell people about the Christmas special episode. Well, Michael, yeah. in utter shame, I'm going to go off and commit Harry Carey. You tell people about ben, the Christmas special I, I, I will, Ben, but I'm going to do it as a conceit where I'm telling you. Ben, next, in the, maybe not next week, but the following week, just before Crumbus... Yes. We're going to have our special end of year review episode like everyone else who does a podcast. Hooray! Yay. We're so unique. And, yeah, we're so unique. What did we call it last year? I think we called it the Mickeys. The Mickeys. It's Mickeys round two, return to the Mick. So, um, Ben, we're going to start throwing up stuff on the social media. Yes. We need a lot of engagement, to, folks. Asking for people to cast their opinions on such categories as best film of the year. Yes, we, we, best, we will need uh, that. Best TV series of the year. Yes, biggest like disappointment well. of the year. Yeah, the flop house. I think what won it last year? That was Inhumans, wasn't it? Uh, Inhumans won flop of the year last year. Uh, yeah, look, atrocious. Ben, I can't remember a lot of the categories, but I'm going to uh, go back and look at that episode like last year. Best new comic book series, if you have one. Oh, very good. Yeah, uh, um, best have... comic book series. Yeah, good point. Uh, I think we should do a best moment. We want a bad egg of the year. Who do you think was the worst? Oh yeah. Who do you think was the best egg of the year? Who was bad egg of the year last year? Was it Harvey Weinstein? It was Harvey Weinstein. Bloody Mister Mister Fiddle No Consent himself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. um, Bloody. I I think we've got a fairly front forerunner in the form of a giant orange mandarin that runs one of the most powerful nations in the world. Um, Uh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Kevin Spacey's going to be. Um, our, our bad idea no please we need recommendations nominations nominate for us please let us yeah. know why you think that person was a real bad egg no Ben you don't um, have to focus on the bad eggs we don't have Just to focus the, on the bad eggs good things let us remember? know what you loved this year let us know what you yeah. hated this year yeah that's what we Do. want to know um, and everybody write to YouTube and ask them why we weren't in fucking Rewind why we weren't in YouTube Rewind we get upwards of 70 views a video easy <laughs> <laughs> all right then now do the wrap-up okay ladies and gentlemen so now i'm allowed to do the wrap-up we are <laughs> on itunes we are on instagram we are on um youtube soundcloud check us out we're on soundcloud as usual uh coming into the new year we are going to try and get onto more platforms so there is no escape uh yeah please ben, uh, yeah. again i'll tell you what we're going to do is we're going to be on spotify we're going to be on Spotify and we're going to be on SoundCloud. Oh my. And we are going to do a couple of months trial on Spotify and SoundCloud. And we're going to see which one gets more listens. More listens. And then we're going to slowly fade out the other one, the loser of the competition. I, iTunes and YouTube listeners should remain unaffected. Yeah, there will be no drop in quality in those two fields. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week. Um, Bye. Oh, that. Oh, okay. That was per. Uh, bye. <laughs>